real changes, buddy. What are you doing? Oh, it's not? No. Come on, man. What do you think this is? Ah. I'm Adam Ennis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Coming at you again from the Steinway O here at You'll Hear It Studios here in Midtown St. Louis, Missouri. I love these little Steinway seated days, man. These are fun. I mean, we're out of the pod cave. It's less musty over here than the pod cave. Yeah, weirdly, the pianists like being around a piano. It's (laughs) Yep. So we're back. We're We're back. back. And we're, uh, we're answering a user question. This is from one of our regular listeners, uh, Mark in Vancouver had asked about reharms. Nice. And I couldn't quite figure out if he wanted specific like recordings of reharms, but we're just going to talk about kind of our favorite reharm hacks. Maybe right. some simple things you can implement right away on your uh, on your gigs, on your playing to help you kind of put, add a little sparkle. Yep. Add a little color, a little interest. Wake up the audience sometimes when they're zoning the audience. out like, "What? Can, is that even legal? That's not a tonic." <laughs> <laughs> is that that's a gin and tonic? What's yeah. going on? So, my Sorry. No, I was just thinking, should we say what reharm is? We're, oh, we're, we're making an assumption. There. We are making a huge assumption. So when we say reharm, we're talking about reharmonization. We're talking about taking uh, sort of agreed-upon chord changes under a melody. Agreed-upon as in they were written by the composer. <laughs> <laughs> agreed-upon by us and the composer. And it's a two-way street. <laughs> I mean, hey, honestly, most jazz standards everybody plays are already reharmed. They are, exactly. Yeah, they're not the original changes exactly. that you're playing. If you learned it from Miles' recording, it's definitely a reharm. Definitely a reharm. <laughs> but we, you can take that, that even further, and there are some sort of uh, some cliches and some hacks that we can do yep. to, uh, to reharm. So I, if you don't mind, I'll just get right into get it. Get right into it. My very favorite reharm trick to My do... My favorite reharm trick. Is that, the, is that the last note of a standard, usually standards end on the tonic, right? Mm-hmm. Where the melody ends on the one. Yeah. So if we're in the key of F... But Churchy. one of like my it. favorite things ah. is to end on a diminished and then resolve. And that's or you can stay on the diminished, heck, you know. And you can do this anywhere, really, you know. Yep. You're not really gonna mess up the bass player that much unless he lands on a major third. Like he should not right, be on and a he major. Should, he or she should not be there. They should so be come back home. <laughs> right on the tonic that gives you the room really to do anything. But for some reason, you know that that diminished sound. It works really well when the the melody is the tonic. It also works really well when the melody is the seventh or the ninth. So yeah. So. And you have that kind of E over F sound. Yeah, also, yeah. Uh, it works over if it's the, the ninth. It's a little mystery. Can you say a little mystery, a little question mark? That's what the diminished is all about, man. Yeah, man. A little mysterious. And I like because you're doing, you know, you really highlighted that, that even when you ended on the tonic, that, that, that the ninth mm-hmm. um, and the major seventh. And that E major triad's kind of implicit in there, or complicit. There's a few triads, obviously. The E, there's D flat, yep. F. Yep. And then, you know, it can either resolve as you... Yeah. Or it can just... Depending on when you're playing it in the set, could be a nice little well, and, question mark. And so this, we're kind of playing this as a ballad, but if you're really getting going on your solo, throwing this in at the end of a 2-5 can be super effective. Yeah. 
You yep. know what I mean? Like yeah, it can go it just in adds this mystery. So yep. what do you got for number two? And it can also, sorry, oh, just no. it can also just be yeah. like just really even without the comping in the left hand, you're just sliding in and just out. Just a little slide on that beat one to kind of like trick everybody. I like yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, okay, so I think for the for the one I'd like to go with now is more of like a concept of how to reharm and this can go in a lot of different ways and that is where we're really listening number one listen mm. and so and depending on where we are in the arrangement and i'm going to kind of assume that i'm you know well into the arrangement now mm-hmm. and i'm getting to the first point where i'm i'm kind of not necessarily tired of the correct changes but the the arrangement the moment the gigs what something about the moments through really intense listening and being in the moment and being present makes it feel like it's time for a little bit of a harmonic surprise. Yeah. Right. So that's the th- so as, as 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 much as it's important what you're going to do reharm this concept based more upon the moment of when you're going to do it. It's very so important, very let's important. assume that here I'm and maybe I say here now I want to go to something different. So I know I've got the regular chord is 2-5 to G minor. Of course, this is Autumn Leaves. Yeah. And so it would be A half diminished normally, and the melody's on the C. But what we're going to do is think about that C as being all the different possibilities of what could go there. Yep. Okay? And so... So there's going to be... You know, I, I'm not always this calculating, but sometimes I am. I'm thinking about some tension mm-hmm. and some resolution, but not in the sense of like we normally do it with like you know alter alterations to a dominant and then alter and then resolving to a major that's already built in. This is more like the tension is going to be the fact that I don't go to the expected place. Right, you're going outside of yeah. where. So the farther I go, yeah. So now this is almost like seeming like it's going to go somewhere else. So the resolution is a further place away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the tricky part about this, you have to be always sort of a step ahead. In, in It's like playing chess. You know, the better players yeah. already are thinking some steps ahead. So you're hearing to where you're going to go because you eventually do want to bring it back home, I think. Yeah, you have to think about where that resolution is going to happen and yep. kind of plan your day around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the what, great thing about that is you don't have to be as calculating. You can kind of just pick things that you know or feel outside of that target. Yeah. Like, you, I know this is going further and further. Like, when you chose, you know, this, like, resolution to F minor when you're really supposed to be going somewhere to G minor. Yep. That's so far out that it's, like, I know that's going to... And you've got some time, especially with, you know, solo piano. You can take as long as you want to, but I think what, what you're saying, it really speaks to that point of when you do this is what's, is, is what's so important, not how... not. You know, the whole thing of like, well, I, I like to go, and, and I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't even know theoretically what this is. I can tell you. So this is like a C2 over E to yeah. an E flat sus. So this is more based around that sound coming out of here. Yeah. And then I know that. I, I know what that sound is. And so now I gotta find something to get to. Like the, yeah, the only yeah. thing in the head is like the G minor. So I'm like, so I might be. That's so cool. Yeah, you can yeah. delay it even, even more with all that. You know, like until you want to land. Yep. Finally on there. That can and, be at the very last second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where really having an understanding, really knowing the tune, really knowing the, f- the form, knowing the architecture of it, 
that keeps you from having to think about, wait, how many bars till I need to catch up? Like, because you know the melody. And look, the thing about this tune, um, if you know this tune, you know that where harmonically, form, and melodically, you have room to really stretch out with some reharms. Where, I mean, look, you could do the whole thing, and sometimes that's cool, but if you can pick these spots, it's so much more dramatic. So yeah. you gotta really know the tune. And the whole thing with this, there's a lot of breaks in the melody, but they're not like, the melody's holding, you know? You know? So you can kind of go crazy. Knowing you have these different places, you know. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, so another kind of hack that I think is pretty commonly done for uh, for reharmonization. This is based around the third, and it's there's two different ones. There's one for a minor third. There's one for a major third. But you've heard this sound a million times. So let's say we're on all the things you are. You know, this is based around the minor third. Yeah. And it's really simple. You just turn a minor third into a major third by changing the root. You can resolve that back up, or you can start. Now, once you get to a chord with a major third, like this E flat dominant, instead of uh, oh, by the, so those those minor third chords, those minor seven chords, we, I was taking the root down one half step. So I turned this F minor seven into an E major seven. Right, mm -hmm. same third and seven, different root and different fifth makes it a whole different chord. Same thing here, B flat minor seven with the third in the melody. A major 7. Now when I get to the E flat dominant 7, which has a major 3rd, it's the opposite. You take it up. You can even do a little 2-5 here if you want. Yeah, just a little hack. It's nothing, you know, it, it's, it's, again, like everything we were just talking about, context matters. Yeah. But this is something that I use all the time. You know, yeah. If, if I'm going to take something out. I know it's for, farther out than, than the diatonic chord, and I know it sounds slick. Sounds, sounds killing. Yeah. All right, good. All right, we got time for one more? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so this is one that I like to do. It's another kind of more of a conceptual one, but it's where we really think about um, the reharmonization coming from some alteration to the root movement. Mm. So um, I'll go back to the... So that's sort of the typical root movement, of course. So now we're going to think about somewhere that we want to change. We're going to change the root movement, okay? Yep. Um, but we want to think about creating a melody with the root movement. Mm. Okay, we're not worried about what the harmony is at all. So that's going to give us some more flexibility and more focus. So we might go... And then you're trying to kind of hear an outline, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So if I went back, and I've kind of already forgotten this, and that wasn't the most successful one, but that, <laughs> that's, this is part of the fun, is like how yeah, you're going to yeah, fix it. Yeah. So I started out, I was already kind of hearing the... So that's C minor, and then we're going to uh, A. We're going to go to A... Um, what is that? Flat 13, sharp 9. And then we go to G flat. Now we got a little challenge because we're at the raised fifth. But I want that, I want that, it's gonna have tension no matter what. So we could go, we could go um, same thing, flat 13, sharp 9. But I like that B flat triad over G flat. So we got that. And then what did I go down to A flat? I think so. I mean E flat. E flat, yeah. 
And the cool thing about that is that's the chord that's actually supposed to be at. Right. And then I went up to here, C over E, kind of stealing from my thing before, and then maybe F minor. So you're, to, to kind of break it down, you're just doing kind of a two-point counterpoint between yes. the melody and the root, and then filling in whatever colors you want yep. in between whatever you're hearing. This is a great way. This isn't something I think you would use in an improvisation with a group. But this no. is something you would use to create your own original arrangement exactly. of a standard. And and I think then, it's super effective in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it really can be. And it's a great way to experiment with this. And what you can do is it allows you, like the better your melody is for your root movement that you're creating, the more um, leeway you have to really go crazy with, uh, with changing up the harmony. Because you can play stuff that yeah. even clashes. Because you've already got the regular melody, which everybody knows. Now you're creating another melody down there. So the inner things, like the cohesion of it is the counterpoint. Yeah. That's the cohesion. Yeah. I was, it's so funny, man. I was actually just using this to arrange a pop tune for this gig I have on Friday. We're doing Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Someone. Oh, yeah. Just taking just one little you know one little melody and root movement I didn't yep. change much in that that's kind of the standard change the the regular changes but just taking one melody and then doing a counterpoint with the root changes the whole vibe of the song yeah man let me make a guess that the outro that you're doing a little bit well thanks for listening today folks <laughs> the you'll hear it podcast to leave us a suggestion for an episode to stay in touch with our newsletter I like this man live outro music until next time you'll hear it <laughs>